0: Hello, friends. Welcome to Resting Church Face, a podcast. I am your host, Amanda Allen, and this is episode three. And this week, we are going to be talking about Prince Harry. So get a scone, get some tea, because we're going to be spilling some tea. I'm sorry. That was bad. Please keep listening to this episode. So let's start this off by saying... I love all things England. I want to be just like them. (laughs) I have always felt like I was born in the wrong country. I should have been born in the United Kingdom. I love everything to do with their culture, their music, their books, their actors. I've been to London twice, and the first time I walked through Covent Garden with my sister, I started crying, (laughs) and she was like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, every Hugh Grant movie I have ever seen is coming to life right now. I felt like I was home. So I have always been interested in anything to do with the British way of living. I'm fascinated by the royal family. I don't always agree with the royal family, but all the way from to the beginning, when we toured Westminster Abbey and I saw, you know, the tomb, I think it's Edward the Conqueror, it's like 1066. I want to know all about it. And I think it's amazing that there's been one family that for all of this time, from that time till now, has maintained the figurehead, at least, of being the ruling family of a whole country. That is so fascinating to me. And when I was growing up, the hot topic royals were Princess Diana and Prince Charles, who is now King Charles. I can remember that. I remember, not really clearly, but I do remember the wedding in the 80s when they got married. And then I very clearly remember all of the, you know, the BBC interviews and the, the scandal with um, Camilla Parker Bowles and Diana talking about the way that she was treated. And then of course, unfortunately, you know, the awful um, and untimely death of Princess Diana. And that was the thing that everybody talked about in the 80s and 90s. And we also talked a lot about Princess Diana's and King Charles's sons, Prince William, who is now 40 years old, and Prince Harry, who is now 38 years old. And in the 90s, Prince William was the stuff. He was on every teen magazine that I can remember. I can remember my sister talking about how good-looking he was. And for some reason, I think he's like two, year, he's two years younger than I am, but I just like wasn't into him because he was two years younger because back then that was like, you know, he's a kid. <laughs> but I look back at these pictures and I think, wow, he really was good-looking. And then Harry was always kind of like the goofy younger kid. And then when he got into his like late teens he kind of suddenly turned into a good-looking guy and people kind of began to notice him and then he had a few little spicy run-ins um dressing up as a Nazi not so great at a costume party um streaking if I remember right or playing some sort of strip poker I can't remember which one it was but anyway small scandals right and then we get into their adulthood and Prince William marries Kate Middleton and everybody loves Kate. The British people love Kate. Americans love Kate. We all love Kate. And they have three children. Prince William, of course, is next in line to the throne after King Charles now. And Prince Harry just kind of Maintained this like cool bachelor thing. And he was so mysterious. And we just all thought that (laughs) I laugh at the way that we say he was so mysterious because he's definitely not mysterious now. But he was. He had this just air of, you know, coolness and he was royal and nobody knew much about him. And then he hit headlines because he met an American named Meghan Markle. Now, Meghan Markle was an actress, she was on suits. And when they fell in love and they, you know, they met, they say, on a blind date, right? I believe that's what it was. It was a big deal because there were things that had really never happened in the royal family that it would kind of shook things up. Some things were, they shouldn't have been a big deal. Um, like the fact that she was biracial. That was made into a big deal. Shouldn't have been. But she was divorced. She was American. And she was three years older than Harry. Or is three years older than Harry. So... At the time, I remember when they got married, I remember thinking, good for her. I was like, this is every woman's dream. This is like a Hallmark movie come to life. You meet a guy on a blind date. He turns out to be a Prince of England, right? He's Prince Harry. It gave us all hope. And she's also, she was also like middle-aged, 36 years old. It could happen to us. You could walk in to Waffle House and sit down next to a Prince of England, just like In a movie. And then things started to kind of go downhill quickly. We start hearing reports, right, that Kate and Meghan don't get along. Then we start hearing reports that the royal family isn't that fond of Meghan. And now William and Harry are starting to show signs of strain, whereas before you felt like they were kind of a a tight unit, right? And so now the big... The big headline is that Harry has been on numerous talk shows now been interviewed several times he's always he's been breaking his silence in a bunch of different different places and interviews but he has now written a book the book is a memoir it's called Spare it is ghostwritten, which I don't know why we would release that information but they did so I don't know if he actually wrote this I mean I guess he gave this guy a bunch all of his notes and okayed all the things that were said but so he didn't actually write it but it has been blowing up the New York Times bestseller list. People really want to know all the gossip. I have not read this book. So I'm going to come out and say that now. I have not read the book. I probably am not going to read the book because I don't think I even need to read the book because we're learning everything that's in the book. You just have to get on Twitter and you know what's been said. So, what I want to talk about though, it's not so much what side I am on. I have friends that think that Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are completely justified. They've been treated terribly and they have the right to say anything they want to say. And then I have other friends that think that the royal family has been completely disrespected, blindsided. They are going against the rules that have, you know, tradition of thousands of years. And so they're team royal family. I'm not going to get into that because I think that's super divisive and, you know, you can have your opinion. I definitely have an opinion on what I think is right or wrong, but... What I really want to talk about are a few things that have to do with the way that Prince Harry has gone about airing his grievances. And I think that these are lessons that we all can learn from. They're, they're And they're hard lessons. They're hard things to, to swallow. But I want to talk specifically about a few things. One is when should we be honest? When is it appropriate for us to be honest about things that have happened to us? Two, in what ways should we be honest what ways are harmful what ways are healing and then third after we have said what we need to say and we have you know lived our truth and told it how do we live with it so let's get started so let's start with number 1 when should we be honest I think it kind of all goes back to something that I spoke about in episode one, and I talked about it in kind of a tongue-in-cheek way, and that's family business. And I really don't like the term family business, because I think today it is synonymous with guilt, secrecy, shame. I think really we should say that it's more of nobody else's business, because there are things in families that are just nobody's business. And I'm talking about petty disagreements, right? Sibling fights, parents with, fights with your parents money problems, just everyday run-of-the-mill things that happen in every single family. And those things we can't really avoid. Sometimes sisters-in-laws don't like each other. Sometimes we don't get along with our in-laws. We don't get along with our parents. We don't like our step-parents. We don't like the people that our siblings chose to date. We don't like their children. They can go on and on and on. But those are things that are nobody's business. You don't have to volunteer that information at every function. You don't need to write a tell-all book about it. It's just normal life. But when do those things – when do things in families need to be exposed? And I think definitely when there is abuse, any kind of abuse, sexual, physical, mental, spiritual, those are serious topics. They need to be exposed uh, and the person that is doing them and inflicting them upon others needs to be stopped and exposed. So definitely – um, and I think about a lot of people that we know that if someone had not spoken out about it, they'd probably still be going about doing what they were doing. I'm thinking about Harvey Weinstein, a lot of the different church, Catholic church, sexual abuse that happened by priests. It, it took people coming out and saying, this is happening to me. Um. So definitely those kind of things do, we need to be honest about. Murder. <laughs> obviously. If you know somebody's murdered somebody, you probably should tell someone. Theft, embezzling, anything serious, you know, against the law, we should probably expose. So we should be honest about those things. So those are things that we need to be honest about. Maybe you need to write a book. Maybe you just need to call the police. Maybe you need to tell a parent or, or someone that you trust. So there are times I think we need to be honest. That brings us to question two. How do we be honest, right? I think there's a couple ways, and it's different scenarios and different things. So there are healing ways of being honest. And in all of those scenarios I mentioned before, abuse and anything that goes against the law, anything that you have been an unwilling participant in and you couldn't control it yourself— Or maybe you kept silent because you didn't want to betray a family member or somebody you love. Sometimes you need to come forward and be truthful about things that you have witnessed. And that can be a healing thing for us. I know that there are times that I have been honest about relationships and and the way that I was treated or that I witnessed someone else being treated that helped me. You know, I began to to heal from the wound that that had caused simply by talking about it. But I think we can talk about it in ways that are honoring and kind, right? Um but those particular instances, we don't have to be as careful because those people if they're committing egregious acts, they should have thought about that when they did it, right? So if you're being honest about a terrible injustice, then more power to you. I think you should be able to say what you want to say. But there's another way of being honest, and this is what I really think um, the Prince Harry thing gets to. So Prince Harry has been really airing all of his dirty laundry, right, in his family. He's talking about how he got into a fistfight with his brother, uh, how Meghan and Kate, all the little petty disagreements that they've had, how he doesn't like his stepmother, how he and his father don't get along, just, you know, a lot of it comes from, and all of it, honestly, comes from hurt, right? You can tell that Prince Harry has been hurt. But I think the way that he goes about it is the second way of being honest that I think is harmful. And that we're saying things that really go back to that category of nobody else's business, right? Right? But also, even if it is everybody's business, even though these things, you know, he, he feels obviously that these things need to be exposed. He needs to tell his story. There's a, there are ways to tell your story that still honor your family if you want to have a relationship with his fam- your, your family. And Harry says he does. He is very adamant that he still wants to have a relationship with his family. And honestly, reading the way that he's been speaking about them, I don't know how that's going to be possible. And I think that we can all learn from this. And I'd liken it to the Stephen King movie, Firestarter. It's also a book. But if it was made in the 80s, Firestarter is a movie starring Drew Barrymore. She is a little girl that has the gift of starting fires with her mind, which sounds really stupid, but it really is a good movie. And of course the government agency in America and all all over the place, they really want to get control of her. They want to study her and harness this power. And so the whole movie, her father has been helping her to keep her fire-starting ability is under control. So she tries really hard. And then at the end of the movie, the people that are bad guys that have been after her, they have finally mortally wounded her father, and he looks at her and he says, burn it all down as he's dying, right? And she does. She sets fire to everything. She's killing people left and right. She's blowing up tankers. She's blowing up buildings. She's, you know, igniting fireball people all over the place. And it's super satisfying in the movie because you're like, get it? So in the moment... When you decide to burn it all down, like I think Harry is doing, he's burning it all down. He's saying everything he ever wanted to say, every diary entry he's ever made is now on paper for us to read. It feels good in the moment. And guys, I have done this. I have had moments where I burned it all down. I was so mad. I was so hurt. And I aired all of my grievances in the wrong way. And the wrong way is with so much anger and vitriol and revenge, right? You just want revenge. You want them to feel the hurt that you feel and you don't care how it affects you and you don't care how it affects them. You're going to say what you need to say and you don't worry about the consequences. That doesn't last very long because after you've burnt it all down, it's still smoldering rubble a week from now. You can't go back. It's, it's gone. And so, I think when we look at Prince Harry, let's think about this a year or two from now when he's still not speaking to his brother. He's still not speaking to his father because he's hurt them so badly that they really don't have much to say. They don't trust him, right? When trust is over, guys, it's it's almost impossible to get it back. You can forgive. And I I do think, and I, I pray that they are able to get through this because no family should have to go through a rift that they can't overcome and it means that they never see each other again. They don't speak. So I'm hoping that forgiveness happens, but I don't know that trust can be reestablished. I think Harry will always be an arm's length family member and we all have arm's length family members, don't we? Or friends, people that we may have forgiven, but we don't trust them anymore. And we cannot maintain a relationship with them in the way that we used to. It's no longer easy. So how do we keep from burning it down? How do we stop it before it becomes chaotic? And before we have cut ties with people that we love? Again, I am not talking about anything illegal. So that is another whole scenario. If, if people have done things that are illegal, we need to have other avenues. But I think a lot of our issues start with who we're being honest with and to. We aren't talking to the people, right? A lot of times, ideally, we could go to the people that hurt us and say, hey, what you did, not cool. Let's talk about that. But unfortunately, that doesn't always work, right? Sometimes people are just not amenable to speaking with us. Sometimes they don't think they did anything wrong. And so they're going to keep doing wrong and hurting you. And you need to separate yourself. Well, then who can you talk to? Because you do need to talk to someone. You could talk to your spouse. You could talk to siblings, friends, pastors. You could pray about it, which I think is should always be step one. But there is another option that as a church, we sometimes just for whatever reason we almost consider it like a dirty word, and that is therapy. Therapy is good, guys. I am a huge fan of it. God has gifted people with the abilities to help us heal, and those are psychologists psychiatrists, therapists, counselors, they've gone to school just as God has gifted us with doctors, medical doctors, you know, oncologists and pediatricians. These people are in the same vein. They're healthy and they're good to talk to. They can help you begin to heal And sometimes it is great to talk to someone who has no dog in the fight. They don't know you, they don't know your family members, they don't know your friends. You can be completely honest and know that it's never going to leave that room. And they're going to give you good, tangible advice that you can start to use. But I think instead of doing that, for some reason, we begin to think that the world is our therapist, right? So I think the first place that we mess up in a lot of times, unfortunately, is Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. We're putting diary entries onto Facebook and we're making our friends and family on Facebook our therapists when they're not. <laughs> they don't know how to help you. All they like to do is gossip about you, right? Um, you know, we vague book, we put things up that are like, I just don't know how I'm going to carry on anymore about, you know, I'm not going to be able to do this anymore, If you don't know, I shouldn't have to tell you. And then, of course, we have to be like, what are you talking about? Because there is a human part of us that loves drama, right? We love this Prince Harry book because we like gossip. But gossip and therapy are two different things. And so we're igniting gossip, but we're not getting anything out of that, right? So who are you talking to makes a huge difference. And so before you put things on Facebook, let's stop and think. Are we about to really mess up a relationship here? Are we going to make a family member or a loved one not be able to go to the grocery store or feel like they can't because everybody's gossiping about them? So let's stop and think about that. And then what if you've already done it, right? So lastly, how do we live with it if we have already burned the barn down? It's hard because... Let's say you're standing in smoldering ruins of something that you did. I've done it. I have messed up times in my life where I have said things and behaved in a way that I just am not proud of, right? Because I am human and I mess up. But I handled situations poorly. Sometimes I was justified in being angry, but I didn't react the right way. So how do we begin to salvage relationships. Well, I think first we need to admit that while the relationship can be repaired, it will never be the same. So if you've burned the barn down, you can rebuild the barn, but it's going to be with a different wood. It's not going to be the way it used to be. It's a hard pill to swallow. We have to just accept that, especially if we're the ones that set fire to it in the first place, right? Um, but try that first. I have had Uncomfortable coffee conversations, like at cafes with people. It's not fun when you have messed up and you have to be like, hey, what I did, you, you know, you hurt me, but I did not react the right way. And I'm sorry. I don't enjoy doing that. (laughs) I've had to do it. But I will say, once I have had those conversations, a huge load was taken off of my shoulders. A huge burden was lifted because now I can continue on and start to try to rebuild things. I think we also have to accept that that wound is probably always going to be there. That, that traumatic thing that you may be made worse is, is never going to really go away. I don't think major hurts can just be completely washed away. I think that we always have to live with them. But I feel that if we can figure out a way to learn from them, And to stop living in the past, and I think that's the hardest thing, is to stop going over and over and over in our minds the things that hurt us and the people that hurt us and the way that we reacted to it and the firestorm that maybe occurred afterwards, we have to start over. It is never too late to start over. And I say this with experience. It is never too late to apologize. It's never too late to change your behavior. And it's never too late to start again. And sometimes, I think the last thing that we have to accept is that sometimes we can't repair a relationship. Sometimes it's not doable. And sometimes it has nothing to do with us. We may be completely innocent, but sometimes we caused the rift, we messed it up, and we have to live with that. We were honest to the wrong people, we said the wrong things, and the person that we involved in the firestorm no longer wants to have anything to do with us. And sometimes, guys, as hard as it is to admit... That is the healthiest thing, is removal. Sometimes you just have to walk away. And so I think if you're listening to this and, and you're about to air your grievances on Facebook, please don't. Please think about it. Think about it. And I think if you can go to the person, great. Go to therapy, great. Great. And then if there's no other recourse, sometimes you may just have to tell your story. But let's try to tell our stories in the best way possible. And I mean, this podcast is called Resting Church Face for a reason. I want us all to be honest, myself included. Anytime that we portray a fake version of ourselves, that's definitely not honest. But I think that we can be truthful and kind. Because I think when we're truthful without kindness, that's just cruelty, It's brutality, it's bullying. And I don't think that's something we should ever want to be or to be like. So, honesty with kindness is what I hope I can achieve every day. And I hope you can too. And finally, I just don't want us to forget that Prince Harry is a real person. His family, those are real people. I think that we're so obsessed with this memoir and with all of these interviews because it is a sneak peek into the lives of a family that is notoriously private, right? These are people that don't talk about themselves and now we're getting these salacious details and the gossip mill that is society. We love it, but these are real people. You know, Prince William is, is a real person. Meghan Markle is a real person, King Charles. I mean, all of these relationships that they have; those are real relationships—brother and brother to brother, and father to son. And I genuinely hope that years from now, they can look back on this and say, "Yikes!" Well, they wouldn't say "yikes." They'd say, "Like crikey, <laughs> that was a bad time," but we were able to get through it, and we're a family again. Because you know, like I said, I love England, and I need the United Kingdom. To stay united. You see what I did there? Okay. So, this week I want to talk about a show on Netflix that goes so well with our theme for this episode, and that is The Crown. It has five seasons. It is such a good show. And I said earlier that I don't want to be the kind of person that derives enjoyment from other people's trauma. And the reason I like this show is I don't feel like it does that. I don't feel like you are enjoying the downfall of a family. I think it does such a great job of showing the inner workings of the royal family and all of the things that they've had to go through, all of the issues they've had to face, the family trials, the arguments, while having to maintain this this extreme pressure of being proper and genteel and always calm and always in control. So if anything, I think you just, you sympathize with them more than anything. It starts with the beginning of Queen Elizabeth's reign and it, the last episode of season five, they ended it where uh, Princess Diana is about to meet Dodi Al-Fayed. So mid nineties. And the second reason I really like it is the acting is phenomenal. You begin to forget that these are actors and they're so good at what they do in their craft. And you can tell they have studied the mannerisms and the voices and the accents. Um, There are three actresses. So they have different actors for each era of Queen Elizabeth's reign. So Queen Elizabeth is played by Claire Foy when she is young. She is played in middle age by Olivia Colman, who I absolutely love. And then in her later years, she is played by Imelda Staunton, who most of you would know as Dolores Umbridge in the Harry Potter movies. And at first, I will say that Imelda Staunton, I had to get over feeling like she was Dolores Umbridge. I kept waiting for her to turn evil. But then you get past that, and she's just fantastic. Um, and I will say, guys, the, the girl that they got to play Princess Diana in her 30s, Elizabeth debicki I think that's her name, or DeBickey? DeBeckey, debicki Anyway, so good that I feel like I am watching Princess Diana. Her, Even down to the head tilts and the things that she does, she's just, it's amazing. So I highly recommend it if you are interested in British life in general, because it doesn't just deal with the Royal family. It deals with all kinds of things that happened in the world. Um, you know, Jack, Jack Kennedy is, is in it. Jackie Kennedy. Um, there you know, the budslide in Wales that I did not know about. So there's a lot of just um, newsworthy moments that you get to witness times in history. And it's really weird to watch things that you remember happening And it's done in such a way that you're just like, you feel like you're back in that time period. So highly, highly recommend The Crown on Netflix. I don't think you'll be disappointed. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for hanging out with me for another half hour of your week. I really appreciate it. And thank you again for all of the wonderful comments you're leaving and the reviews on Apple Podcasts. That helps so much with people being able to find the podcast. So if you could keep following and subscribing and liking, oh, that means the world to me. You can find me on Instagram. It's super easy. It's at Resting Church Face. I hope you have a wonderful week and let's get together again soon.